From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. ADHD, anxiety and depression in children and adults, each can mimic the other. How do you know if it's anxiety or ADHD causing the attentional problems? All can benefit from behavioral therapy, but does that always happen? Is it easier to get medication paid for than to get the behavioral help? Let's talk about what's going on in your life and how it's affected. You can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about a topic that I think we all need to really think hard about. ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, Anxiety and Depression in children and in adults can sometimes mimic each other. So how do you know if it's anxiety or ADHD causing the attentional problems? Or maybe it's depression making it hard to pay attention. All can benefit from behavioral help. But does that always happen? Is it easier to get medication paid for than it is to get behavioral help? Those are all things I want us to talk about today. I want to hear from you and what your experiences are with you or your child or your loved one. Sometimes medication is clearly necessary, but do you think we're jumping to it too quickly? So, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org to join in the conversation. So, why are we even talking about this? Well, there's been a lot of notice that medication treatment, especially in young children, has gone up. There are many adults out there, and you may be one of them, who is on medication for anxiety or depression or maybe ADHD, and you've seen some real benefits. Or maybe you're one of those people who you've been on medication, but you're not sure if you're really better or not. There was a recent editorial in the Wall Street Journal, actually just a few days ago, by a psychoanalyst, Erica Commissar, who suggested that we're not doing our children a service by jumping to medication first when they're symptoms of ADHD or anxiety or depression. And actually, the American Academy of Pediatrics says that too, that behavioral therapy, not drugs, should be the first line treatment for these disorders that I'm talking about. But there have been more than one study that have shown um, that that's really not what we're doing often, that often children are going to uh, medication, they're being put on medication before any behavioral therapy has occurred. So 
why are we doing this? Is it easier? Is it quicker? Um, or is it perhaps the best thing for that particular child? Um, there was a, a study in 2000 and a much more recent study done um, looking at Mississippi's children who were being medicated for ADHD. Um, and, and the earlier study found that many of those children didn't meet the full diagnostic criteria for the disorder. And then in 2018, a New England Journal of Medicine article um, showed that the younger a child is relative to his classmates, the likelier, the more likely he is to be diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Now, um, in that particular article, uh, the supposition was that perhaps in many of those children who were put on treatment when they were very young in whatever class they were in, kindergarten or first grade or second grade, um, it was a disease of more immaturity and not so much the real attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So there are lots of things that we need to look at when we are looking at those mental health or behavioral health disorders and what we need to do, one, to make the diagnosis and two, to make the treatment. And one of the biggest things that we need to do as we're looking at those and as you, as, as one who is trying to be properly diagnosed and properly treated, is to make sure that whoever is doing that diagnosis and treatment, whether it's a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a pediatrician or a family practitioner, um, that whoever that is, that they're taking the time to step through what is really going on. And here is the reason that that is so very important. All of these disorders are disorders that have diagnostic criteria. They do not have a blood test that tells you whether or not you have it. There is no x-ray or brain scan or anything that with absolute certainty can tell you that you have that disorder. So what you have to do is have someone sit down with you, with your child, with your spouse, with your significant other, sit down with you and go through what I call detective work, where you're searching out to determine what symptoms are there and what could be causing them. And before anyone puts a tag on you or your child or your loved one with a diagnosis, then you must have someone who has really ruled out the many other things that could cause these disorders. And, you know, in the past, uh, we've talked about this on the show, and you can go to the individual shows that I've done on ADHD or anxiety or depression. But I'm talking about this all in one because the what you need to step through for each disorder is really similar. And there is so much crossover as you're doing that that um, – one needs to have more than just a, a short 10-minute visit to determine what's going on. So let me mention a few of the many things that might be affecting 
your sense of well-being, whether that's your ability to pay attention to what's going on around you or the ability to feel happy or what. Now, keeping in mind the ability to pay attention requires you not to be worrying about something else, right? Or not to be sad about something else. Or to be awake enough to be able to to pay attention. Or to be able to hear. So the many things that you need to look at are not just in the realm of mental health, like anxiety or depression, or whether it's ADHD, but also in the physical health, Um, whether you're sleeping, whether you're anemic, whether you have uh, low iron or low B vitamins or low D vitamins, vitamin D, um, all of those things can cause difficulty, not just with concentration, but also um, a sense of well-being and a sense of happiness. Um, The other thing, too, that we've talked about often are sleep disorders. And if you're not sleeping well, then it's hard to feel happy. It's hard to um, concentrate. It's, It's difficult to think through things. And often people who don't sleep well have increased problems um, with anxiety. So all of those things need to be looked at as you're thinking about needing the treatment for any of these disorders that I'm talking about. So my question to you is, before you got put on medication, did that happen? Uh, Do you feel like the mental behavioral health providers are taking enough time for you? Or do you have difficulty accessing that? I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear your experiences, too. I'll tell you that um, several people, when they asked what I was doing the radio show on today, um, were intrigued about um, whether or not to have medicine. But those who have a positive effect from the medicine all said, we need it. Don't get in the way of that. So join in the conversation. Let me hear from you. What do you think? Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We're talking about, are we jumping too quickly to medication for the treatment of ADHD, anxiety, and depression? This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about medication treatment for your mental behavioral health disorders, for you, for your family, um, for your loved one. So have you had some positive experiences with medication, and do you think that truly is a first-line answer, or have you had some concerns about the way you were treated, what you were put on 
for your disorder? Do you feel like things are being stepped through? Now, one thing I will tell you, I'm uh, full disclosure, I'm a physician who has spent 30 years treating mental behavioral health disorders. I've put many children and adolescents on medication, but I've also spent some real time um, talking people um, out of why they do not need medication and they first need behavioral therapy. So I clearly believe ADHD is real, anxiety is real, depression's real. Those are disorders that um, in um, instant we've had scientific studies that have shown there are typically neurochemical deficiencies or imbalances that cause this. Sometimes, however, with intensive behavioral therapy, you can deal with these disorders without medication. Sometimes they're mild enough so that behavioral therapy alone is all that's needed. Sometimes they're not a disorder at all and they've been misdiagnosed. And so what I want us to do is talk through as we're moving along this show um, whether or not we're getting proper diagnosis, whether or not Um, insurance companies are allowing us to go to the best treatment first for that particular individual. Um, My contention is sometimes not so much. We don't value the face-to-face talk time that our patients need. And why is that? I'd like to hear from you. You can call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Let's go on to the lines. We have Tasha in Oxford. Good morning, Tasha. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling in. Tell us what your thoughts are today. Uh, my thoughts are I, I have a son who is HDHD, and he is uh, in the seventh grade this year. I did put him on medicine. Uh, I put him on there when he was, uh, I think, in the fourth grade. And... Um, Mm-hmm. And it's been concerning me about having him on medication, especially this year. His grades have uh, are not doing as well. Um, uh-huh. And so, um, it's, well, this year they have computers. And so the computer is such a distraction, distraction for him. Um, it's, <laughs> even his medicine is not um, keeping him focused on what's at task. Right. And, uh, what's the task is. And so I, I'm just... Um, I, I, I hear you. So, Tasha, I have a couple of questions. If, um, so he's in what grade now? Uh-oh. We may have have lost Tasha. No? Yes. You're yeah. still there. Now I can, yes. So yes. what grade is your son in now? He's in the seventh grade. In the seventh grade. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, first of all, Seventh grade traditionally is a big academic jump um, for many. Many times you go from sixth grade um, where the teachers are more involved. Many times they um, give a little bit more support. And then as you move into the seventh grade, uh, often there are class changes, more teachers, more expectations. The teachers tend to step back so the teachers 
the students are expected to do things on their own. The other thing that happens in these early preteen years um, are hormonal changes. And so it may be um, that if the medications worked early on and now they're not working, there may be something else going on. I think in the old years... Go ahead. No, I, I'm, I'm listening. Okay. Um, yeah, I think in the old days, many times um, we thought, well, if the medicine's not working and it was working before, then you just need to go up on the dose. But that's not always the case. So you want to always step back and say, okay, now what's going on? Is there a distraction? You mentioned the computers. And um, unless there is good supervision and unless the teachers are able to block um, students from surfing the web as they're supposed to be doing academic work, then uh, a child certainly can get distracted uh, by by all the many uh, ways that uh, computers can take can distract you, and so that would be an issue. The other issue I know is that. Um, Unless they're good controls and good supervision, not only are they not just surfing the web, but they're playing games and communicating with each other. So I don't know if that's an issue, Tasha, but um, I would want to step back and regroup. And the one thing I didn't mention that we often see are increasing depression and anxiety um, in um junior high students, bullying can also be issues. So you want to make sure you're looking at everything and and not just thinking it's the ADHD. Did that help at all? I hope so. I know you mentioned one more thing about behavioral, behavioral therapy. Uh-huh. And you asked, was it, is it easier to just put them on medicine or, or is it harder to get them on physical therapy? I believe it's harder to get them on physical therapy because there's really not that many resources. Or the resources that are out there, you don't really know about them. Um, right. I would love to put him in a, a physical therapy, um, behavior therapy uh, right. session just to um, yeah. see if that would also help him. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. The behavioral therapy services um, are out there, not as plentiful as we would hope. But, uh, Tasha, you are in a good area in Oxford. Um, there, besides the uh, mental health services that are there through your uh, mental health centers, uh, your state-run mental health centers, there are also some good services through um, Ole Miss, through Oxford. There are several uh, good centers, and then uh, Canopy has services. Uh, our And additionally, um, UMC is moving through developing some uh, telehealth services. So uh, keep in mind, ask your primary care provider the services in your for services in your area. Um, you are in a place where you could get your son enrolled in uh, behavioral therapy just to make sure he's developing the correct skills and that there's nothing else going on that's bothering him. So I hope that helped. Tasha. Thanks for your call. Thanks for starting us off. We'll stay on the lines. Let's go to John in Benton. Hi, John. Thanks for calling. 
thank you for uh, having the show. Certainly. Uh, uh, I, I, I have uh, clinical depression. I've suffered from depression all my life, and I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. About 10, 12 years ago, uh, I saw a psychiatrist, and he put me on some meds, and I started feeling better, so I I stopped taking them. (laughs) (laughs) Then I I got really bad. I I was a teacher, and I, I... I had to just kick myself every day to go to school. I had a horrible year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he put me, you know, back on medication and uh, wonderful results. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, normal and healthy thanks to, you know, a small dose of Lexapro every day. Right. And I, I, this is just more an informational thing of, uh, for those who may be suffering from depression, there is help out there. Right. Very effective. Uh, very effective. And, you know, with the right combination, it took a while for him to get the right one, and we had to go through, you know, a, you know, a process finding out what was good for me. Uh, but, my, but I do have a question. Uh, I, of course, have heard of behavioral therapy, but... Uh, you would have to put a gun to my head, and then even then I wouldn't stop my meds because I know what can happen. Right. But do you think it? I'm, I'm going to be 65 in a week, two weeks, whatever. Do you think that is something I should explore? So, John, what uh, I hear you, and I, there are so many people who clearly know that this medication has helped them immensely. Um, before I get to your uh, behavioral therapy question, let me go back to a couple of things that you said. First, you stopped your medicine after you started feeling good, and you knew that was a very bad decision. Um, the reason for that is these medications are not cures. They are simply to help uh, increase whatever neurochemical deficiency uh, there is that you have. It increases it while the medicine's going. It doesn't cre- increase it once the medicine is withdrawn. The other issue, too, is some of these medications that are fairly short-acting, if you have a sudden withdrawal off the medication, it can cause um, a flu-like syndrome called uh, SSRI cessation syndrome. So you have to be very careful about that. Medications can be wonderful. They can also have side effects. So you need to always know, have full disclosure of your alcohol, other drug use, medications, and all of that whenever you're taking these medications. Very, very important before you get started to make sure that your health care provider knows everything. So I just wanted to emphasize all of that and that everything else was ruled out. But depression can be a a real thing that can really cause significant problems. And medications can pull a person out of a hole like like you said, John. Now, you're, an, you're 65, a young man still. And, I, you know, what we always say is even with medication, we know that we still have ups and downs. So to learn 
coping skills to learn what to do, how to pull your thoughts back to center and to, instead of allowing them to go down in the ditch, down in the dumps, um, is an important skill set to have. And so I would encourage you, if you feel like you still have episodes, even with your medication, where you still you get down, you're not sure what to do, you have those negative thoughts, I would encourage you to, yes, um, go. This should not be long-term therapy. We're talking about eight to ten sessions. Uh, all those funny shows on TV where somebody's gone to a psychotherapist for their whole life, that's wrong. If that's what is is going on, then you don't have a good psychotherapist. What you need is someone who can coach you through how to use the right skill sets so that then you can go forth and use those skill sets. You don't have to keep coming back, going back to someone for that support. So, um, John, yes, I would encourage you, if you think that you're still having issues, go ahead and um, reach out to one of those uh, mental health uh, providers that are out there. If you need some help, I believe we posted actually um, all our mental health centers on Facebook last week from our show. So you might want to take a look at at our Relatively Speaking site for that. Um, okay. Well, thanks. I, w- I will say that uh, I'm not uh, tooting my horn, but nobody else will. Actually, a lot of my friends will. I do have very good coping skills, uh, uh, and I have a very close, uh, deep, and abiding uh, friend network. And I haven't really, and I have every reason in the world to be down in the dumps. I mean, uh, I went through a divorce, a lost relationship, and all of these things in the last six months. But I'm happier than I've ever been. Well, wonderful, John, and that that's really important to have a close network of friends and to reach out to them when, when you need them, and it sounds like you've got that. That's a very, very lucky thing, So, and it sounds like you've got a lot of good resiliency, so um, good luck, and thanks for your call. I'm glad that things are going so well for you now. And thank you so much for your show. I really, really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, John. Take care. All right, before we go to our next break, let's go to Rufus, who's been very patient in Belzona. Hi, hi, Rufus. Hello, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for calling. Tell us what your thoughts are today. Well, I'm just calling to let you know that I think that they try to put children on medication too quickly. You know, they, they seem like I had a little trouble with my son at school and he had to see a psychiatrist more or less for a year. And uh, the lady, all she wanted to do was put him on medication, and she wouldn't even see him after one session because I wouldn't put him on medication. I said he just had a, you know, like a tantrum transform in school. Mm-hmm. And, and her first thing when she got to see him, she said, oh, he's got he's to be on medication. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't do that. You know, I said, ain't nothing wrong with him except he just got, you know, had a temper tantrum. You know, you don't have to put kids on every on something every time one of them has a little fit. You know, if it's an everyday thing, maybe so. But once in thirteen years, 
I don't think you got to put no kid on no medication for yeah. Well, the psychiatrist that he seen, he wouldn't, she wouldn't even see him anymore because I wouldn't put them on medication. So, Rufus, your point is good. And I, I, how old was your son when this recommendation was made? He was twelve. Twelve. Thirteen now. Yeah. So, um, twelve year, you can have ADHD that has not been treated for um, your school career and have it get to such a point that. Uh, a child might need treatment at age 12. But if that was not something that was ongoing, if there were not issues that were going on prior to that, and if they were not continuous issues that were presenting problems every single day, you are absolutely right. There, uh, That doctor, uh, whoever, should have taken the time to take a good history to make sure I would Question, was any testing done? Were there any rating scales done? Was there any evaluation other than a face-to-face visit with the doctor? Well, we did uh, have a few sessions at a life health uh-huh. out here in Mississippi, uh-huh. and they recommended that he see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, I told him, you know, that's fine. You know, I just, I wanted to, if he needed help, I wanted him to get help. Yeah. But like I told them, you know, I said, he just got mad at school. I mean, there's, there's no reason to to start medicating somebody because they have one little outburst at school. You know, I mean, kids get mad, when they, especially when they're that young. And, you know, it's, it just amazed me that the lady wouldn't even see him when I refused to put him on medication. And right. He, he went the rest of the school year, didn't have no problems. He, You know, he's... Got up. We've gotten out of life help. The, the psychiatrist didn't want to see him no more, so we discontinued all that because I wouldn't put him on medication. And he has no problems. You know, he's making A's and B's in school. I mean, he's, he's just a great kid. And I'm just trying to tell everybody that just because your kid is acting up a little bit, you don't have to start, you know, drugging them up. Because that's what's wrong, in my opinion. But a lot of kids today, they, they put them on drugs or some kind of medication for no reason. Too quickly, without a good diagnosis. Now, Rufus, what you did do, Life Help is one of those good mental health centers where your yes, son ma'am. got some behavioral therapy. I, yes, I wonder if the psychiatrist didn't see y'all back is because she was the one who would prescribe medicine. And since she was not going to prescribe medicine, then she didn't need to see him back. So you did the right thing. You stood firm. You said this. This seemed like something acute. It sounds like he got through it with the therapy and learned some skills on how not to have behavioral outbursts. But 12 years, 12, 13, 14, those are typical years when with all those hormones and all that going on and those body changes, often kids have difficulty knowing how to control those emotions. So sometimes just the behavioral therapy can be very helpful. And it sounds like that was the case with your son. So... Sounds like you're a great dad, and um, your son is lucky to have you watching after him, Rufus. Yes, ma'am. Well, I think so, and, and I appreciate you saying that because there's nothing I would do, you know, wouldn't do for my kid. But 
I just couldn't understand the lady, you know, not wanting to, you know, actually talk to him more than one time, you know, yeah. to make sure that he actually needed something. Right. And uh, after the first session, she said, well, well, if you won't put him on medication, well, we don't see him no more. I said, well, okay, good, though, you know, because, <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with him mm -hmm. other than he had, you know, one time. I mean, it, yeah. that's just... It sounded crazy to me. Right. Somebody so, wants to start drugging a kid up. Right. One outburst. Right. Rufus, yeah, one-time behavior outburst does not mean somebody should be placed on medicine. You're absolutely right. So this is, relatively speaking, we're talking about ADHD, anxiety, depression. When do you, when do you need to put one on medicine? When do you need to take medication yourself? And then when, what about those coping skills? Are you learning those? Do you need help? Give us a call. Share your story with us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I'd like to hear your thoughts about what Rufus just said. This is relatively speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about those mental behavioral health disorders, ADHD, depression, anxiety, when should you take medication? When should your child or your loved one take medication? Certainly we know medications can be beneficial, but sometimes maybe we're jumping too quickly to medication. Maybe medications at times are causing side effects. Um, and we're not stepping back to figure out what's going on so things get worse. Has that happened to you? You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So let me give you an example um, of a patient that I have had. Actually, this there's more than one. This happens often. A patient comes into my office, a new patient, who has been on every medication treatment for ADHD out there or has been on several, and they would work for a transient period of time, and then they wouldn't work. And so by the time they get to our office, um, the doc is not sure what to do next. Um, they're not even sure if the diagnosis is correct. Um, and this particularly happens when a child's been diagnosed at a young age, say five or six or seven, and then um, later on they all of the sudden aren't doing well on the medication. So it helped a little bit at first, and then they got in the second or third grade, and things aren't going so well. So many times 
the first thing that we do is to step back. We don't immediately find the right medicine to put them on, but we step back and we reevaluate the child. Where is the child academically? So a psychologist does testing. Um, Where is the child from a mood um, standpoint? So we look at that. And then the physician looks at the overall health of the child, including vision and hearing and sleep and nutrition and all of that, like I mentioned earlier. And this has been a very long time ago, um, but many years ago, I had a child who had uh, came to me at age 15. He had failed two grades. He had been on numerous medicines for his ADHD. He had had multiple school suspensions. And when he came in, um, the first thing we do is check vision and hearing. And he was... Um, he failed his hearing screening in our office, so we sent him to an audiologist. And that child was completely deaf in one ear and had mild hearing loss in another. So he had spent his entire school career up until age 15 or 16, I believe if I remember correctly, he was in the eighth grade because he'd failed a couple of grades, hated school, was acting out, And he could not hear. He was missing half of what was going on in the classroom, if not more. And so that's an example of sometimes trying to medicate a child for their behavior before you really understand what's really going on, before one gets all the way through a workup. And the same thing happens in the adult population or the older adolescent population, For example, you get treatment for ADHD, and that helps the inattention somewhat. But then you can't go to sleep at night, and so somebody gives you a medication to help you fall asleep. And then you find that you're a little anxious. You're more anxious than you used to be for anxiety symptoms. And so then you get put on a medication for anxiety. So you see how things can kind of be stacked up. And if you're not careful and if you don't take charge of your own treatment, sometimes you can be put on medications to treat symptoms or side effects from another medication when what really needed to happen is either the medication dose needed to be lowered or needed to be changed because there was a side effect to the medication and perhaps it wasn't the correct medication in the first place. Or Maybe no medication was needed at all. So this happens often, and often we have medications out there that are stacked on top of each other. Um, I'm happy to answer your questions today. If you have any questions about that, has that happened to you? Has that happened to your child or your loved one? Did you feel like you got the proper treatment? And if not, what kind of questions do you have? You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. 
Let's talk a little bit about sometimes just changing the situation in which you're in can make a big difference in how how you deal with things. For example, if you have a child um, who has some mild problems with inattention and hyperactivity, or if you're an individual in an office setting um, and you have some problems with inattention and hyperactivity and you're required to sit at your desk for hours on end trying to do work, Perhaps you don't really have ADHD, but perhaps the work situation or the school situation is set up inappropriately for you. Um, Frequent breaks sometimes can make a big difference. The ability to stand up and move around. Um, It may be that you are in an office situation or your child is in a classroom situation where there's too much um, background noise going on. And so you're one of those individuals who really needs a more quiet setting. There may be something simple like that can that can be changed uh, before one goes to insisting that a child needs to be placed on medication like um, Rufus was mentioning earlier in the show that his son, when there was an issue, did they really look at everything that had gone on? Or did he have a temper outburst in a classroom or have difficulty paying attention in the classroom because there was some bullying going on? There's so many other things that can affect mood and attention that you have to be careful about what's happening. And so the the best thing you can do as a parent, as a person who's seeking treatment, is to take charge of your own care and make sure that as you move through whatever treatment modality you're going through, that all the information has been given to that health care provider and also that you've asked all the appropriate questions and asked for the appropriate services. So if someone recommends medication and nothing else, then ask that question, but what what about behavioral therapy? So things like um, mood stabilizers can help reduce those high and low moods. Um, medications like Lexapro or Prozac or Celexa or some of the newer medicines, they can help to elevate the mood. But nothing is going to teach you coping skills other than that behavioral therapy. So if you have some questions, give us a call, one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I've got all open lines. Feel free to give us a call. We have a few more minutes to take take your calls about ADHD, anxiety, or depression. Call and ask those questions. This is relatively speaking. I'm here for you. I'll be right back.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about other things you can do besides taking medication for your mental behavioral health issues. Knowing that there are times that medications are very important and very helpful and can be life-changing, as one of our earlier callers called in and let us know. Sometimes a small dose of medication can make a huge difference in your life or your child's or your significant other's life. But making sure that we realize as we're looking through that you're not just depending on the medication to fix everything. So um, a few things I want to remind you about as you're stepping through making sure that you are allowing yourself to think through things completely um, before you get on treatment and even while you are on treatment. Before I do that, though, let me go. We do have a caller, um, Damien, who is driving through Mississippi. Hi, Damien. Hello. Thanks for calling. You have some comments about um, anxiety, depression, medication treatment? Well, it's, it's kind of ironic that I ran up on your talk show. Um, I'm actually on my way um, through to a, a mental health appointment. Um, I suffer from uh, anxiety, depression, and PTSD. Uh, I'm a 20-year law enforcement veteran who's been involved in a couple of shootings. And um, as of this point, I have not been able to receive any kind of help through either, you know, they don't accept my insurance or, you know, it's just been one hurdle after another. And I'm, I'm kind of running into a wall and I really don't know what to do. Wow. Well, first of all, Damien, thank you for your service. I know the law enforcement area is so tough, and and certainly it sounds like you've been in, exposed to some some bad stuff, and we appreciate you being out there for us. Um, so where do you live, Damien? Can you give me a general area? Are you in Mississippi? I, I live in northwest Alabama. I'm traveling for work, so I'm, I just passed through Macomb. Uh-huh. So I would I know Alabama like Mississippi has had some struggles in having um appropriate services. Um to me it seems first of all that your your um issues are work related. Certainly um individuals who have the post traumatic stress issues um and have been through something like you would be work related. So I would question why isn't your work um, helping you find access to some of the mental health services? Um, I know the University of Alabama um, has um, excellent services. I honestly don't know about your mental health centers in Alabama, but I would encourage you to go to, do you have a primary care provider who has um, tried to help direct you at all? I do, but and that's that's one of the obstacles that I ran into. Um, 
she tried to recommend me to a psychiatrist in the Tupelo area, and they denied the insurance, which is Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't understand why. Yeah, um, because every every Blue Cross Blue Shield um, has their own plan, and they can determine what services they give instead of giving good services across the board. Unfortunately, that happens with many insurance companies, um, and that's just the way it goes. I would encourage you to go back to her and see if she can help you um, look for services in your area. But mental health services, many of them uh, do operate on a sliding scale, and I would encourage you to also look for a psychologist. Unfortunately, psychiatrists are few and far between and so many times that that can be a barrier but to find a, a psychotherapist a psychologist who could perhaps help your primary care provider determine whether or not you need medication and your primary care provider then could perhaps um, give it so but again with it there has been some medication but Nothing seems to be working. Yeah. Um, there was I took a fixer for mm-hmm. a little while mm-hmm. and didn't really see any results with that. Yeah. Uh, nausea. It made me sick if I didn't eat. And then um, they recently changed. Damien, um, unfortunately, we are at the end of the hour. I would, if you give us an email at family at mpbonline.org, I would be happy to um, answer any questions and see if I could connect you to some help. I really appreciate your call, and um, I'll see what we can do to try to find services for you. Um, Again, thanks thanks to everyone. We'll have to do this again. There's some other issues I really want to make sure we cover. Um, thanks to Jay and our call screener, Michelle. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking.